Hello, this is Senior Beat. My name is Christine Beatty. I'm the director at the Madison Senior Center, and welcome. We have a very special guest for you today. Tom, who's our special guest? Well, our special guest is uh, Jim Furman. He is the president and CEO of the National Council on Aging, and he's been in that position now almost 22 years, I believe. Uh, prior to that, he was 10 years as the founder and CEO of United Seniors Health Cooperative, which is a consumer organization. So he's had a lot of aging experience and uh, has been in a leadership role for 30 years in the aging program nationally at the national level. He also has earned his uh, MBA and his uh, education doctorate from Columbia University. So welcome Jim, uh, to Wisconsin and to Madison, and tell us what is NCOA. Well, first of all, it's a, delighted to be here with two uh, old friends and leaders, and, and not only leaders in Wisconsin, but across the country in the, in the field of aging. So it's great to be here with both of you. And NCOA is a nonprofit service and advocacy organization. Uh, we have our mission is to improve the lives of millions of older adults. And we have our goal of making meaningful improvements in the health and well-being of 10 million people by 2020. So we work with thousands of community organizations across the country to develop and bring to scale innovative new programs. And also we're a voice and an advocate for older adults and for the organizations that help them. And for full disclosure, both Tom and I have enjoyed a fine relationship with NCOA over the years in, in various capacities. Uh, NCOA also is the home of the National Institute of Senior Centers and does a, a lot of wonderful advocacy work. And I think, Tom, we want to talk a little bit about uh, advocacy. Yeah, maybe the need for it. <laughs> uh, but uh, we, we just had an election and they have a president-elect that may be a surprise to some of us. Um, But from your point of view at the national level, what do you see the implications of uh, a new president, uh, uh, Congress that's going to be majority Republicans of both houses, uh, and programs that we care about for older people such as Medicare, uh, Medicaid, Social Security, the Older Americans Act. Well, the the voters have spoken. Uh, the voters, and especially older voters, voted for change. They voted for something different than what we had. And so now I think we're looking at what is quite likely to be a period of significant change or certainly uh, a attempt for rather dramatic changes. Changes including uh, cutting taxes, uh, spending more on defense, spending more on infrastructure, uh, and those are, and repealing Obamacare uh, and replacing it with what is not quite clear. So I think as we're concerned about all the people, uh, we know even though the president uh, Trump has said that he thinks Medicare is fine, Representative Ryan is, uh, has said he wants to radically change Medicare. Uh, introduced the idea of premium support, which would really change the program from what it is now, a defined benefit program where people know what they're going to get, 
to a defined contribution program where people will get an allowance, but then whether or not it's adequate, it, it remains to be seen. So one of the first things will be how do uh, what happens in terms of replacing Obamacare and also what uh, implications does it have for Medicare because Medicare reform was an important part uh, of, of the Affordable Care Act. There's also been indication uh, that the administration wants to block grant the Medicaid program, mm -hmm. which, as you know, is a critical program, not only for low-income uh, adults and children, but also for uh, nursing home and community-based care. Mm -hmm. We are very concerned about the idea of block granting because we've seen in the past when other programs have been block granted, like the Title 20 program and other social services programs, that was the beginning of the end for those programs in terms of them right. being significantly reduced reductions in funding. And when programs are block granted, they lose some of the, the power of the constituency. So that's something we're going to be watching very carefully. Will there be an attempt to, well, we know we expect there'll be an attempt to block grant the program. Will it succeed? And will there be adequate protections for people? The third program we're worried about is the Old Americans Act because when you cut taxes, increase defense spending, increase spending on infrastructure, that means you have to reduce discretion unless you're going to run tremendous deficits. You have to reduce uh, spending on discretionary programs, and the Old Americans Act uh, is, is a, will be a target. And so uh, it would be, we would hate to see cuts in nutrition funding, uh, you know, uh, senior center support, other kinds of uh, caregiver programs, et cetera. Those we're are, very concerned about those. Those are the local programs that people really, older people really depend on, the nutrition sites, for example. Yeah, meals on Wheels. Meals on program. Wheels. Absolutely. Evidence-based uh, community right. programs. Absolutely. So we're, we're concerned about all of those. Uh, and then sort of looming which has been looming since 1980s, the need for some reforms of Social Security, uh, which we hope won't be privatizing because privatizing uh, is very risky to people. Even, even if you could make the case that some people would be better off having private accounts rather than Social Security, and even if that were to be true, the, the, op, the other part is also true that some people would be a lot worse off. Uh, and for people who, de many, half of seniors depend on Social Security as their primary source of income, to see that uh, at risk is, is, is dangerous. So we think it's very important that uh, all voters, but particularly older voters who voted for change, really pay attention to what's happening and make sure their elected officials know what they think. Um, Jim, would you, uh, it, the website for NCOA is... NCOA.org? Yes. Great. Um, because I know that you have uh, on your website a lot of position papers and a great deal of information that can help educate us a little bit better about some of these issues. Yeah. I'm, I want to go back just a bit to some of the health care stuff. Because I'm, I don't think, I think everybody sort of gets that we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. I mean, because it's been talked about and yeah. it's been voted on a thousand times. You know, and now it looks like uh, it can be done. It can be done. Uh, you know, even though there are some good parts like a prohibition against pre-existing conditions, keeping your kids on health insurance until the age 26, and uh, 
And, you know, what probably a lot of older people don't know is that we're phasing out the donut hole because of the Affordable Care Act, or also known as Obamacare. But I think what people really don't understand is that with when you said, uh, you know, Congressman Ryan, we're talking about Paul Ryan, Wisconsin's congressman, who is Speaker of the House. He has a plan that not only would repeal and replace Obamacare, but also block grant Medicaid and turn Medicare into, you know, some of us call a voucher program. He calls a premium support, but, but you know, that's what it is. Uh, you know, but that's a package, you know, and, I, and I'm not sure people understand that. Well, we're, we're not just repealing and replacing Obamacare. We're, part of the package is we're also going to do these things. And, boy, I tell you what worries me is that people, you know, we talk about people being left behind. The people who will get hurt with those kind of changes are going to be people not only behind, they're going to be a lot farther behind, I'm afraid. Well, so, there are about 20 million people who have gotten health care coverage through the, uh, through the Affordable Care Act and the expansion of Medicaid. And so not only are we likely to have a, many more people who are uninsured, but you're right, it's much easier to repeal something and it's much harder to come up and replace it with something Figure that will actually work. So that's, uh, that's why uh, everybody's going to need to be on their toes and paying attention. And, uh, but in some ways, the folks in uh, Wisconsin uh, have an opportunity to, because you've got representatives in, in key positions, uh, your, your voices are, are really important in these issues. So... Um, the, the Medicaid stuff, uh, just back to that a minute, because I think, again, people don't understand that for older people, that really means long-term care. You know, it either pay, because Medicaid is about the only program that will pay for it. Medicare doesn't, Medicare does not pay for long-term care, except for short-term rehabilitation stays. Um, but, you know, almost half of Medicaid goes toward long-term care, and a lot of that is for older people. And so when we talk about block granting, we're also about talking about cutting it, right? Right. Well, I think so, because a couple of things are going to be happening. You're going to have a lot more people who are uh, going to be uninsured, or younger people who are, are going to need coverage. Uh, and you're going to have the states uh, with essentially a, uh, a block or well, a block grant, an amount of money. And they're going to have to be making decisions about rationing care. And I think the issue and rationing is going to become a greater reality than it is right now. Uh, and long-term care may be cut. Community services, uh, in-home services are likely to be cut. It's going to be a bit of a free-for-all in terms of states. Uh, and the most vulnerable people are the ones who are going to take the brunt of, uh, yeah. of, of these changes. I think that's what... Uh, you know, as an organization that's a charity and cares particularly about uh, vulnerable people, we're really concerned just about big tax cuts for the wealthy people, uh, which, frankly, in my view, help people who don't need the help uh, at the expense of programs that help vulnerable seniors, vulnerable kids, uh, and, and, and young parents as well. Actually, and, and I recall a conversation with you when you said one, we really don't know. I mean, we're, we're trying to discern what will happen in the future with sort of a, 
an unknown card that we're playing. But it, it is, a, you know, the uh, the president uh, positions has said Medicare is fine. We don't want to touch it. But then uh, the, the bills that are coming down are, are talking about radical changes in the program. So it's going to be a time of, uh, of great uncertainty. Uh, the one certainty being is that uh, that you have uh, the Congress uh, and the White House in the in the same party, which allows uh, things to happen much more quickly right. than they would others. So, uh, you know, 100 days from now and uh, sometime this spring, we, the these programs could be very different. Yes, absolutely. And we have often talked about how important it is for people to uh, remain educated, to be aware, to have that awareness, mm -hmm. and to be speaking up. To, and your point about having Paul Ryan be from the state of Wisconsin may be helpful to us. Well, and I think it's really important because I remember a few years ago when there were uh, Congressman Ryan wanted to cut back the, uh, the Meals on Wheels programs, the nutrition program. Mm -hmm. And his comment was, well, we can cut them back because the churches will pick them up. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's really important that the church leaders in, and, and uh, in Congressman Ryan's district help him understand uh, that the charitable sector really has limits and can't do the job of government. So I don't know that there's anybody more in influential than the constituents, uh, and especially folks who voted for change. Change is good. It's a good change. But I worry that some of the changes are really going to be very difficult and vulnerable seniors in Wisconsin. Well, yeah. thank you for that um, assessment, Jim. Um, we'll be right back with some more uh, conversation with Jim and why he's in Wisconsin, so join us in a minute. Um, welcome back to Senior Beat, uh, my co-host Christine Beatty, and with us today is uh, Jim Furman, Furman, the President and CEO of the National Council on Aging, and he's in Wisconsin for a special purpose, Christine. Yes, he is. He's uh, coming to Wisconsin uh, because there's a wonderful project going on here. It's called the Aging Mastery Program, and tell us about it, please. Yes. We are, uh, uh, NCOA loves to develop programs and spread them across the country. We did the first evaluation for Meals on Wheels and, and took that across the country, uh, foster grandparents, uh, evidence-based health programs, a program called Benefit Checkup, which helps people find benefit. And so now we have one that we're very excited about called the Aging Mastery Program. It's uh, designed to prepare uh, all of us, and I'm 65, so it's me and uh, all of my 
Me. You and then all of my high, high school buddies and 77 million baby boomers prepare them for this next phase of life because you think about all that we do to educate children for adulthood, you know, 12 years of public school and college and maybe graduate school and YMCA's and Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts and religious education to prepare people for the first transition to adulthood and we do almost nothing to prepare people for this phase of life that we call retirement. And so the goal of this program is to help people understand that we've been given a gift, and it's a gift of longevity. Unlike our grandparents who had just uh, five or six years of good health post-retirement, the average or uh, male will have about 14 good years, and the average female will have about 17 healthy years past yeah. uh, 65. That's a lot of time. And how do people spend that time? How do they, what do they need to do to be healthy, to be financially fit, to find meaning and purpose, to plan ahead? That's what this program's about. Uh, and we're very excited. We've got 13, uh, the program going in 13 communities across Wisconsin, including a few in Dane County. Uh, and it's going really well. And our goal is to continue to grow it till it's available in every community and lots of locations throughout the state. Well, and I saw a map that you had, and you have about 170 programs across the country right now really working on this, and you said evidence-based. Tell me a little bit about the, what that means when you're developing a national program like this. Well, it's important when we're going to, uh, to have a program. It's really got to work in two ways. One, it has to be popular. People have to like it. They want to take it. They need to send. We do that by making it fun and educational and engaging. But it also has to work in the sense that it, it has to be able to show that it not only educates people but gets them to change their behavior so that they're exercising more or they're uh, eating better or that they're uh, planning for the future or more engaged in volunteering. So we've been working on developing the evidence to prove that it works, and we're very optimistic that uh, I've seen some studies about the program coming out which will mean that it will qualify for some uh, levels of federal support as well as we grow the program. Excellent. And, and that also is important for the people who are participating because if they're involved in the program, they know after going through the education part of it, and I know, I know there's a workbook involved with it, and also a planning process where they design something that's going to work for them to change behaviors, for example. Right. And our, the whole, the program is all, all that's 10 classes long. Mm -hmm. uh, and it could either be once a week or it could be uh, twice a week for five weeks or even uh, five weeks for one four-hour block. There are different people right. offering it in different ways. Right. But it's all designed to give people the best available information, but also get them to take action. Because... Most of what we learn, uh, we just don't know. For example, what I learned about exercise is what I learned in high school, which was push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, and sprints. Well, that's not what people our age really need to be doing. We need to do the right mix of aerobic, strengthening, flexibility, and balance. Mm -hmm. And very few people, even though about a third of people say they exercise regularly, very few are actually doing all four of those kinds of things. Uh, another example is hy hydration. We, I never learned about hydration in, in high school. I didn't walk around with one of those little water bottles water like bottles. my kids do. Yeah. And what we don't, most of older people don't realize is that 
when you get older, your senses change. And so you actually are dehydrated, but you think you're hungry. Mm -hmm. So you make everything worse. So you eat more rather than drinking. Uh, and so these are all lots of important little things that people need to learn. And the basic idea of the program is that you have a gift, the time. And the thing about, there are two things about any gift. You should be grateful for it. So we, do, we practice gratitude and really being thinking about this as a gift. And then you need to spend your gift wisely. And what that means is thinking about how you spend your time. Right. And most people actually are really bad at uh, estimating how they spend their time. For example, if you ask me, how much time do I spend watching television each week? I, would, I did say about, I thought it shows, I watched it about three hours a week. And then my wife said, what about the Mets games? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 23 hours a week. And so what, but what the study from the Government Bureau of Labor Statistics say, despite what people think they're going to do in retirement, they spend nine hours a day sleeping or trying to sleep, eight hours a day in leisure, which is mostly watching television, about six hours watching television. But some of it's, it's also surfing, you know, watching the, uh, on the screen, the iPad or something. And chores and other things, but less than an hour a day of things that we would consider good for yourself or good for others, such as exercising, such as volunteering, uh, helping reading to children, etc. And our whole premise is you can spend your 10-minute intervals in different ways. Spend 10 minutes stretching, 10 minutes meditating, 10 minutes on a small act of kindness. Make uh, little changes can make a big difference in people's lives. And we're very gratified by uh, what consumers are telling us. Yes. We've had several thousand people through the program. Uh, you know, 98% say the program is fun. 95% uh, saying it's improved their health. 99% would recommend it to a friend. Uh, so people are, are getting it. They're enjoying it. Uh, and uh, we're having a great time spreading it around the country, meeting today and uh, yesterday with developing plan for how, how do we make this available to everybody throughout the state? Well, I was lucky enough to be invited to uh, kind of kick off the one that was done jointly in Oregon and Fitchburg in our Dane County area. And I noticed that there was a, a great level of enthusiasm for the program and also some excitement about what we're going to learn. Um, how does this work? You know, it was the initial program. And I think the, the final part about it is people saw that they needed to spend more time uh, thinking about their future in a different way, which is exactly what you were talking about, Jim. Right. We've all, we all drift into, most of us have sort of this, by the time we uh, get to the retirement age, we stop working, whether it's paid work or the kids are out of the house or whatever it is, we have this sort of pent-up leisure. Said, mm -hmm. so, oh, yeah, the travel I wanted to do, or I just want to play golf, and uh, or uh, some people say, I'm just going to sit and do nothing for a year or two. Yeah. And um, that seems to be okay for a year or two. But then after a while, uh, what happens, you see it, they stop, they become less active, they spend more time sitting, watching television, doing kinds of things, because they don't have enough to make their life meaningful. And, it, and what we have to realize is we've been on autopilot all our life. We've been in school, and then we went to work, and then we had to pay a mortgage and to raise our kids and take care of our parents. And but we didn't have to think about meaning very much because yeah. it was there for us. But now we stop working. The 
you know, the grandchildren maybe aren't nearby. So if we have to create meaning, we have to be intentional about it. And a lot of people don't, and they they kind of lull into the state of inactivity, right. which isn't good for them, and it isn't good for the communities, uh, and isn't good for the country. So we're trying to change that. I think that's a great endeavor. And um, what I like to tell people about retirement is that you've been working for a significant amount of time, and that 2,000 hours a year that is structured for you all of a sudden becomes unstructured. And I've heard so many people say, when I ask, what are you going to do in retirement, they say, I'm going to clean the garage. And I can assure you that 13 years of cleaning the garage can be pretty boring. Um, but what I especially like about the program is you're working on new uh, curriculums, and one of the ones you're working on is uh, intergenerational. Yeah, we absolutely, uh, you know, we, as we define what is aging mastery mean, and the dimensions of aging mastery, connection to uh, younger people and older people is really an essential part of that. Right. And I know that because I'm lucky because my seven-year-old granddaughter is, you know, ten minutes away, and she comes over and bosses me around, and we have our play dates, <laughs> and I'll reach her, and that happens naturally. But for so many of my friends, their kids are far away, and, they, and they're really missing it. And yet I say to them, uh, well, aren't there some small kids on your block? I said, absolutely. There's a young mom with three yeah. kids who's always sort of, you know, frantic. Yeah. So, well, why don't you go talk to her and see if you could help her out? So yeah. the point is it doesn't happen naturally. Right. But there's so much that could be done. We know, for example, that the number one predictor of a child's readiness for uh, kindergarten or first grade is how much they've been read to yeah. as a child. So anybody could read to a small child. That's right. Uh, and there's magic that happens in those moments. So the pro classes like that are, are fun. We also have an elective class. Uh, uh, we call it the bucket list class, the aspiration class. We want people to have big goals yeah. for this part, phase of life. And by the way, I like television. You know, uh, you know, uh, Marshall McLuhan said that uh, television is the opiate of the masses, <laughs> which it is. And what we have to realize is that drugs have gotten a lot better. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff on television. Yeah. So I'm, people can watch television, but don't watch five hours a day, watch three hours a day and spend two hours doing more for yourself and more for others. And it's easy if you take small steps and that's what the program's about. Yes, I like the idea of taking, being, the word you said was intentional and also the idea that it doesn't have to be massive changes. Um, it can be small incremental steps. Um, the whole idea of volunteerism is, is also getting a lot of good research and it, what it does is everything you give in a volunteer situation comes back double fold for you. Absolutely. And it's all, you know, only, in fact, the only way to make big changes is by small steps. Yes. You know, Lao Tzu said a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. But even the small step of, I want to go back to the intergenerational mm -hmm. thing for a second, mm -hmm. because it's not just about older people with kids. It's about 60-year-olds reaching out to 95-year-olds. 95 95-year-olds. Uh, and, you know, you don't realize how what a gift it is for you to pick up the phone and call a 95-year-old person, you know, maybe that's, right. that's still alive. And you will make their day or you'll make their week. Right. And that takes 10 minutes yeah. to make a phone call. Yeah. And that's what we're really about, helping people get unstuck, realizing that, in fact, this can be the best time of your life. In fact, we're, we think, I want to retire the word retirement. I don't think people should be thinking about retiring. They should be thinking of graduating. Yes. What are you graduating to? Right. You, we've all been in training all of our lives for this moment. 
So what's the best and highest use of our time and talent uh, and to enjoy life and, and to leave a legacy? And that's what's exciting about this program. It's breaking new ground. It's happening on all sorts of communities. And uh, we hope uh, many of your viewers will want to find about it find out about this and, and take advantage of it. And I hope it will be at the Madison Senior Center soon. Okay. Um, and can they find out about that at your website or your website? Or yes. Where, where um, find at, out about um, it? Both websites and, of course, our, our schedule of activities and classes is on our website, madisonseniorcenter.org. Um, so we'll put that up. But, Jim, we're so glad that you came today and, and uh, spent your time with Tom and I on Senior Beat. And we'll look forward to seeing you next month on Senior Beat.